You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. As always, I'd like to start with a shout out to our new listeners. And so this week, I'm very pleased to welcome new listeners from London, Watford, Dartford, Salisbury, Gloucester, Blackburn, Redhill and Brighton in the UK. And also uh, new listeners in Europe from Serbia, Switzerland and also further afield from Koshin in India, Shanghai in China and Melbourne in Australia. And last but not least, a whole host of new listeners this week from across the Atlantic in the USA, uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, and Anderson. And of course, all our regular listeners from all over the world who tune in every week to listen. And uh, you're all very welcome, wherever you're listening from. And uh, I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. And a big, big thanks always to all of you for giving up your time to listen to my podcast. Check us out on Facebook. Coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have details of a major data breach at Equifax, the data credit agency in the UK. A look at results of a survey of companies and organisations in the UK which asked how ready they were for GDPR. A large article on a new uh, collaboration between Google and MasterCard. And if you use Google and you use MasterCard, I suggest you really want to listen to this article in the middle of this episode of our podcast. We then have a little update on the Data Protection World Forum that's taking place at Excel in November. A little update on a talk I gave last week to a new business startup group in the south of England called Solent Disruptors. And finally, a small checklist of things for you to check in your privacy policy to see if your privacy policy is anywhere near being GDPR compliant. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Equifax, the uh, credit reference agency used by many UK financial institutions, was this week served with a major fine by the Information Commissioner's Office for a data breach, which actually took place last year so pre-GDPR, but nonetheless the impact of the case is interesting and significant. Uh, the Information Commissioner's Office took the line of imposing the maximum allowed fine under the previous legislation on Equifax UK and has fined them £500,000, half a million pounds, for not protecting the personal data of some 15 million UK customers. Uh, in some ways, Equifax might consider themselves lucky that this event took place before GDPR came into force, because given GDPR's rules where you can be fined up to 4% of global turnover, 
uh, Equifax could have faced a fine of some £134 million. So you could argue that if you were an Equifax director right at the moment, you'd be quite happy getting away with a half a million pound fine. But nonetheless, half a million pounds is a significant fine. In fact, it's the largest fine so far recorded for a data breach in the UK. And ironically, again, for the for the UK operation, the data breach didn't actually take place in the UK, but took place in the US because Equifax being a global company, the US operation was attacked by cyber criminals between mid-May and the end of July 2017, with about 146 million customers affected globally. Uh, the ICO said that although the breach was in the US, Equifax UK was responsible for the personal information of its 15 million UK customers, and that the UK arm should have taken steps to ensure its yeah, American parent was protecting information about the UK customers, which it was processing for the UK operation. The personal information lost or compromised include names, addresses, dates of birth, driving licence details, financial details and passwords, but only passwords to access the Equifax uh, website. But of course, it means that anyone who was accessing the Equifax website at that time last year would be well advised to make sure they've not used, reused that password somewhere else. Um, Information Commissioner Elizabeth Denham said the loss of personal information, particularly where there is a the potential for financial fraud, is not only upsetting to customers, it undermines consumer trust in digital commerce. This is compounded when the company is a global firm whose business relies on personal data. We are determined to look after UK informa citizens' information wherever it is held. The ICO investigation revealed problems with data retention, with the IT systems being kept up to date and being patched with the latest updates, and indeed with uh, Equifax's own audit procedures. They went on. The ICO went on to say that our investigation also found that the US Department of Homeland Security had warned Equifax about a critical vulnerability as far back as March 2017. Sufficient steps to address the vulnerability were not taken, meaning a consumer-facing portal was not appropriately patched. And so really not good news for Equifax, and of course it's going to have an impact on Equifax's reputation. And you know, we are a strong believer that the big danger with failing to comply with GDPR and associated legislation is not necessarily the financial penalty, although I think anyone would regard half a million pounds as a worthwhile um, financial penalty. Um, but in the damage that can do to reputation, because obviously Equifax needs a good reputation two ways. It needs a good reputation with uh, consumers. Consumers need to feel that their credit data is safe with Equifax and equally the credit companies themselves need to feel sure that their customers' data is safe with Equifax. And so I think Equifax have some severe work to do here to actually restore their position within the market. And it is an increasingly crowded market. Um, and so I think they will need to be looking at that with some urgency as to what they do. But I think as well, and I know that we do have a good number of listeners in the USA to this uh, podcast, which I'm very welcome. Um, it does emphasise the fact that the ICO will pursue action outside of the UK where the people affected are UK citizens or indeed are just resident in the UK. And so I think if you are listening to this from outside of the EU and maybe at the moment you're thinking, well, OK, we've got a few EU customers, but you know what? 
we haven't really done anything about GDPR because it doesn't really apply to us. Well, perhaps this ought to act as a bit of a wake-up call because half a million pounds is, what, some $650,000? So a substantial fine, which Equifax found themselves open to. And so if you'd like help with complying with the GDPR, if you're outside of the UK, then please do get in touch with us. Get in touch with us either by going to our website at www.insurety.co.uk or by dropping us an email to podcasts at insurety.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co.uk. If there are any updates on the Equifax story in the coming weeks, then I will, of course, bring it to you here on the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Being a GDPR professional, I was perhaps a little disappointed this week to hear that some four months after the date that GDPR came into force here in the UK, um, some 28% of organisations surveyed said they still didn't consider themselves to be anywhere near GDPR ready. And uh, of course that presents in some ways a big opportunity for companies like ours. But in other ways, as a professional, I find it really disappointing that that level of um, non-compliance is still there and evident throughout the economy. And it's not just small companies, it's some big companies as well. And, you know, given that we are four months in now, so I think any initial grace period from the ICO is likely to have elapsed, then companies really should be thinking about it and it's a bit perhaps shocking that almost three out of ten companies or organisations are still nowhere near ready. But I don't know why I was surprised really because I've been doing a random sample of websites and privacy policies and I have to say that a disappointing number still fall well short of what GDPR really requires. And so I've put together a little article later in this podcast about privacy policies so that I can just detail some of the things there which perhaps you need to check your privacy policy and just see if you're doing it. Because it's so easy to get tripped up by a little thing. And, you know, we are four months now past the deadline. In eight months' time, every time for the first lot of GDPR annual audits. And so if 28% of companies still aren't ready, and we add on to that the 20-odd percent of companies who are ready, but aren't at all happy that they would pass an, an audit, then I think there's potentially a big problem just brewing up here. But looked at from the other side, in the same survey, 90% of organisations said they could easily respond to requests from individuals asking to disclose the information that was held on them. And in case you think, well, we've not yet had a request, well, the same survey did find that 57% um, said that their organisation had already received such a request. And in some ways, I suspect that figure is probably a bit low and it's likely to be a bit higher than that across the whole uh, population of companies and organisations throughout the UK. Um, 
And it's not true to say that it is just SMEs that are having this problem. Larger companies are having it too. Um, and indeed, even nations, to be fair, if we look across the, the, the channel draft ends on the continent, um, then Wales, France, Spain, Romania and Hungary um, all move fairly quickly to get their GDPR house in order, along with the UK. Um, some other European countries have been much more, shall we say, relaxed about it. And indeed, some are now falling under the attention of the EU, who are threatening to take action against countries who have not yet started down the GDPR route themselves as a country, let alone their own organisations and businesses within those countries. But coming back to the UK for a minute, you know, I think it is important that companies do get themselves ready um, because a third of the companies asked did not know where their data was actually stored, whether it was stored within the EU or outside of the EU or in the US. Um, if it was in the US, whether they were covered by the EU US Privacy Shield. And more than 50% of those who have yet done nothing said they felt it would take at least an extra three months to get their house in order. So it's going to be seven months past the date they should have been ready before they're ready. And I think they're just laying themselves open to the possibility of action being taken against them by the ICO because the ICO has already made clear that it's it's running out of patience that it's considering that now four months have gone by which should be plenty of time for everyone to get up to date so if you've done nothing then please do start to get things into action and that's not just me saying it from the point of view of wanting to sell to you although of course i'd be delighted to have you as a new customer it is about making sure that as a country as a as a body as a whole that we're seen to be leading the way in this and so if you're not sure what to do then do check out our website in fact check out our sister website at gdprtrainingcourse.co.uk and read up there on all the information and take some of the details from there and do get in touch with us if you think we can help because it is kind of concerning that you know there, there are these situations where Companies and websites still aren't complying with what needed to be done. Um, perhaps more worrying as well is that the same study found that almost 30% of the way pages they looked at were collecting information from users, still not using SSL, still not using an HTTPS address, but just a normal HTTP, which meant that data is not being encrypted between the browser and the server. And it really is important as companies that we all start using HTTPS, if we're not doing so already, because certain browsers, certainly Chrome does, and others are planning to, um, already highlight to users where there is a form that they're being asked to enter information into and yet the site is not secure. So on top of GDPR or as part of GDPR do make sure that you are um, using HTTPS 
And the other thing I would say is also make sure that you are covered for GDPR within your business liability insurance. Within, within your liability insurance, make sure you're specifically covered for GDPR. Because lots of people at the moment aren't, and you really do need to be. I'm not going to labour the point any longer than that, but it is important to make sure that you get these things in place. Check us out on Facebook. If you use Google and you use MasterCard, so I'm guessing that probably accounts for at least 40% of the people listening to this podcast and possibly even higher, then you'll be perhaps interested to know that in a secret deal worth millions of dollars, Google has been paying MasterCard to track whether online ad clicks translated to sales in a physical retail store. And indeed in an online store. According to Bloomberg, Google has for at least a year used its access to MasterCard data to gain insight into how online ads were affecting retail spending and using this information in an effort to bolster its $95 billion ad business. If you logged in to your Google account and you click on an ad, your action is recorded, even if your click doesn't convert into an immediate online sale. Many users, of course, opt to research for a product online before perhaps later making the purchase at a retail store, a physical store, bricks and mortar store. Based on the deal that Google have with MasterCard, when you head into a store to buy the item, Google will be able to link your ad click to your transaction by using MasterCard's data. Connecting the email address that you've shared with the store to obtain a digital copy of your receipt or through one of the third-party payment processes. And this is quite, you know, I don't know, is it a bit big brothery? What do you think? Um, let me have some thoughts on podcast.insurity.co.uk. Because it's one thing I think with Google obviously wanting to track where things are being bought, but is it just a little bit over spooky that then MasterCard are feeding that information back even when you've gone into a physical shop? Google have been trying to do this for a few years, of course, by having stores relying on Google Wallet, by using beacons, by using location data on your phone. But this new partnership with MasterCard provides the ad giant with the most direct correlation data to confirm conversions of its ads. And of course, it can use that conversion data to boost up its sales of ads because it can say, hey, advertise on Google. And even if someone goes into the shop a week later, we know they're still influenced by that ad they saw on Google to buy the product. And so it's unclear at the moment, and Google is unwilling to reveal, whether it has similar deals in place with other credit card issuers like Visa. Um, so we just don't know. All we know at the moment is that it is doing it with MasterCard, but when you consider that worldwide there are 2 billion MasterCard holders, then potentially Google itself is gaining access to a big massive chunk of useful data now you know 
we all know the old Google adage of do no evil, but, and we all hope that's true, but perhaps this is just an indication of where data is going. Now, obviously, under GDPR, you are entitled to make a data subject access request to Google to obtain all this information that they have on you. And they have 30 days to provide that information. So if you wish to do that, then of course that's your choice. And equally, you could make the same request, of course, of MasterCard. It's something that we're going to watch over the next few weeks and months and see how, again, how this develops, because we suspect this won't be the end of the story. And once we have some more news on it and we have an update either from Google or MasterCard, we will, of course, bring it to you on a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. It was a pleasure last week to have a chance to talk to some people at Solent Disruptors, a group of businesses who self-support each other in the Solent region, in Portsmouth, Fairham, Drossport and East Hampshire. And uh, if you'd like to know more about them, then check out Solent Disruptors on Facebook and you can find all the details there. And we'll be doing a little more with them in the near future, I'm sure. But it was good to talk to real small startup companies and seeing what interest they had in GDPR and really being quite refreshed by how much they knew and also their appetite to learn more, which of course we were very happy to satisfy. So, uh, as I say, if you get a chance, check out Southern Disruptors on Facebook. Check us out on Facebook. And finally this week, I promised that I'd spend a few minutes just talking about privacy policies and the common loopholes that people can fall into where their privacy policy is not GDPR compliant. So I'm just going to run through a few. The first and perhaps most important one, and the one that most people miss, is that your privacy policy must have a date effective on it, i.e. a date that that privacy policy is effective from. Why is that important, I hear you ask? Well, it's because under GDPR, the privacy policy that applies to a piece of data that you have is the privacy policy that was in force at the date you gained that information, that piece of data. Not necessarily your privacy policy now. And so it's very important that, A, you put a date on privacy policies and when, when you put them on your website or when you put them in your public documentation, and B, that you don't destroy old copies of your privacy policy, but you keep them. Because if you had a query at a later date, and let's suppose you last updated your privacy policy in March 2018, and you've now updated it again in September 2018, but in two years' time, something comes in that relates to a query in May 2018, it would be your privacy policy from March 2018, which you'd have to look at and not your privacy policy that you might have on the website now, because it's a privacy policy, as I say, at the point that you gain the information. So do keep old privacy privacy policy. Do make sure you put a date on your privacy policy that the privacy policy is effective from. So that's probably the biggest issue I see on web, on privacy policies when I look at them, is they simply don't have a date. 
The second one is that you must make it clear how, if someone has a complaint, they can contact the Information Commissioner's Office. The third one is that you should have other ways of contacting you rather than just email. So you should have an address and you should have a telephone number. Both those should be clear in the privacy policy. And the fourth one is that you should make sure that your privacy policy includes details of any third-party data processors or at least the sort of third-party data processors that you are sharing an individual data with. So there you go. That's four things to have a quick look at on your privacy policy. I'd suggest you all go and do that right now. Well, not right now, but the moment you finish listening to this, because this is the last article on this week's podcast. And just see that you've got all those in order. There are more, and perhaps I'll cover some more in a future episode of the programme. But have a look at those four just to get you started. And be sure to check out our website in a couple of weeks' time, and when we'll be adding an article about all about privacy policies to our website blog. But I'll update you when that's in place on a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us at Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember, keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.